0: Welcome to the Plainfield Christian Church Podcast. We hope that the message today encourages you. For additional resources to inspire you in your journey with Christ, connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. Enjoy today's podcast. Please open your Bibles to Romans chapter 8 as we continue our study in this uh, brilliant chapter that just uh, strengthens us, it founds us more securely, and I trust we'll emerge from our study uh, these few weeks stronger than ever as followers of Christ. You know, Queen Victoria reigned for sixty-seven years over the United Kingdom until her death in nineteen oh one. On one occasion, she had gone to worship at St. Paul's Cathedral, and it prompted in her this question that she posed to her chaplain. She asked, Can one be absolutely sure in this life uh, about safety and eternity? And her chaplain responded, Well, nobody can be absolutely sure in this life about eternal eternal safety. And she was saddened by that response, of course. And that discourse, the question and the inadequate answer was published in the court news. There was a minister by the name of John Townsend who took note of that. And so he personally wrote Queen Victoria and he gave her some texts to read, including many out of the book of Romans. Later, she sent word to him in this statement. She said to John Townsend, I have carefully and prayerfully read the portions of Scripture referred to. I believe in the finished work of Christ for me and trust by God's grace to meet you in that home of which He said, I go to prepare a place for you, Victoria. After the Queen's discovery of such security in Christ, she would carry with her a booklet and she would pass out to people. It was entitled Safety, Certainty, and Enjoyment. She found in Jesus Christ exactly what she needed to find the security she was looking for in her relationship with God. Sadly, I've met a lot of people in the, courses, uh, the course of my years in ministry uh, who were just shaky about it all, just like the Queen. They 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 were they were questioning uh, their their stance before him and if they could be so uh, so uh, so assuming about life to come. That's exactly what the scriptures are for. They're to to give us guidance and direction and help us land well with him in this strong relationship. God wants that for you and he wants it for me. You know, many things in this world will will seek to make us insecure. But one thing you never have to be insecure about is where you stand with God, your creator, through Jesus Christ. And so that's why this chapter, one of the reasons this chapter is so very helpful for us. So I hope as we emerge from chapter 8, you're going to be stronger than ever as a follower of Jesus. So here's our text today. It's in chapter 8, beginning with verse 12. Therefore, now let's stop there cause that therefore is a connecting word isn't it we always ask what's it therefore because of the previous 11 verses and we we studied those last week where paul was writing look we are not condemned because of our sin anymore we have we have a, a savior who has died in our place we're not charged with sin anymore we we don't have to we don't have any way to be constrained to sin anymore. All that's in the past and in replacing that is the Holy Spirit who comes to live in us. He indwells us. He fills us. God wants us to experience the the strength of the Holy Spirit within us. And so he's really building on those 11 verses. And so he says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it's not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you'll live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we're heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. What a tremendous text for us to uh, examine today. This text is designed in a way so that we can be secure and who we are in Jesus Christ, and we don't have to live in fear and doubts and struggle all the time. And these are the three things I believe God is saying to us to aid us in this security. First of all, he's saying, you are mine. Look again at the, at the verse that says, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. When we are baptized into Jesus Christ, we are laid in that watery grave. we're taken underwater, we're immersed, and the Bible promises in Acts 2.38 that God puts his Holy Spirit in us. He indwells us, and we celebrate that new life when we emerge. And when that happens, no longer are we slaves to sin, so we don't live fearful lives. If we go on living fearful lives, we haven't understood what has happened to us. Everything has changed. We don't cringe before God anymore. We're not motivated to obey God out of fear and trepidation and dread. The Holy Spirit enables us to see ourselves as sons of God. What motivates us to obey God is is his love for us. And the gratitude we feel for what he has done for us. He's cleansed us and made us whole and given us a new life. And so we want to please him. So that presence of the Holy Spirit comes in. He comes in and, and there's a shift in motive, motivation in our life. We don't, we obey God in different ways for a different reason. And let me put it this way, if, 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 you, if you refrain from sinning simply for the fear of going to hell, you're still living like a slave. That's a slave to fear. God doesn't want you to live that way. We're his, we're his children when we come to faith in Jesus Christ and we are free to serve him and to obey him and to love him out of gratitude, that's the indication that we are his children. And so we live as the sons that we are. The Holy Spirit here is called the spirit of adoption. Paul comments about this in Ephesians chapter 1. He writes, "'Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ.'" For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Two great truths just shine forth out of these few verses. First, the Father lovingly chose us. We're chosen. Now, that doesn't mean he chose you and nobody else, or he chose a few of us, but nobody else he chose. That's not what it's saying. It's saying that he chose a way by which every single person on the face of the planet could be redeemed by the blood of Jesus. We're all included. Secondly, the second great truth is the Father legally claims us. Again, we are justified, meaning we are declared not guilty because the wrath of God was put onto Jesus so that we could have the life that we don't deserve and we are treated like God's own son, Jesus Christ. You know, I love this courtroom picture. It's a picture of little Matthew who's in kindergarten. He's, he's going to be adopted in court this day. And when he shows up, his entire kindergarten class is there. And the judge was so moved by that to see this class show up and celebrate with little Matthew this, this new day for him when he's adopted into this family. You know, when we watch somebody to be baptized, you know, that's kind of what's going on. We watch this baptism and it's like we're in the courtroom of the Almighty. And this person, by virtue of the blood of Jesus Christ, is in su- his surrender to the work of Jesus on the cross, is about to be declared justified, not guilty. And we are all there to celebrate this new entrance of one person into the family of God. That's the beauty of the spirit of adoption. And by the way, if you have not taken care of that, let us walk with you to do that. That's the command of God. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Enjoy this relationship with God. He looks at us and He says, You are mine. The second thing He's saying in this text is, you are empowered. The text says, those who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. Now, initially, that phrase sounds like this is about asking for God's guidance in our lives. That's not really the context. Now, certainly God does that. He does get involved in our decision-making process when we call on Him. He's entwined with that process. But that's not what this text is about. This text is about empowerment. It's about freeing us to be all that we can be through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit of God. Consider, when, you know, when we when we come into this world, God gives us senses. He gives us five major senses by which we engage this wonderful world he's given us. And when when one is lacking, or if one is not as strong as it could be, then we, there's, something, there's something we miss. Now, thankfully, God has created so that we can compensate for a loss of a sense, right? We are moved by people who do that. But still, there's a kind of empowerment that comes when all of our senses are the sharpest and the keenest. Take a look at these clips of people who, who hear for the first time or see color for the first time. Okay, they're all yours. Okay, they're all yours. Let's see what it, see what it does. <laughs> <laughs> so, what do you think, then? You know? Look, <laughs> okay. people. Ready? Here we go. I'm gonna turn it up a little bit more. <laughs> How does it sound now? Good. Is it sounding better? Can you hear my voice now? <laughs> yeah? What about mom's voice? Can you hear my voice? Yes. <laughs> 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 Got these for you. Are they glasses? Yeah. You're kidding. The color blind ones. No. Yeah. <laughs> They're so expensive. them on. You're kidding. them on. <laughs> <laughs> Are you serious? You guys can see this every day. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I don't know if you guys understand, but. I didn't know. (laughs) (laughs) We're not right over it. There you go. It's beeping. So now, technically, your device is on. Can you tell? (laughs) For a second. Just get used to the sound. What does it sound like? I't hear myself cry. Why the tears? It's a new level of engagement. There's a greater awareness and sensitivity. Brothers and sisters, before we came to Christ, sin had done something to our senses. We didn't see and engage the world in the way God wants us to. But when we are born again, everything comes alive. Everything is new. Everything is fresh. Now, there are other living things. There are plants and there are animals and those kingdoms. And they relate to to, uh, the world around, but not the way we do. And in Jesus Christ, there's an aliveness we don't have. And when there's aliveness, there's empowerment to become all that we can be. And brothers and sisters, that's what God wants of us. He doesn't want us to miss anything in this life he wants us to know this abundant life. Jesus said, you know, I've come that you may have life and have it abundantly. That's here in this world as well as in the world to come. And that's why we're so eager to love all people to new life in Christ. We don't want them to miss the very best that God has. And so here we have this, this, this picture that, again, the scripture says, those who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. And so what that the, the, the kind of scene, picture I get in my mind of, as of a child who's, who's walking. Is there anything sweeter than a, than a child who starts holding your hand? This is a picture of Jada and me. This is our youngest grandchild on vacation last year. And Dinah snapped this picture. But Jada had reached up and grabbed my hand. And that, isn't that a great feeling? I mean, it kind of melts your heart because it's, it's a reach that says, I want you. Uh, I want to know you're there and I love you. Uh, don't you know that God, our father values that when we reach to him after our, after our uh, rebellion and after going our own way and leading life our own way to finally that there's a day we reach to him, we reach our hands up. Don't you know that thrills his heart? That's the picture of God we have through, th- throughout the scriptures of a rejoicing God who celebrates with us when he is able to redeem us from our sin and our shame. And so the Holy Spirit is there to help us be fully alive in the Lord. And he empowers us not by overriding our free wills, not by dragging us along, but by prodding our consciences, by influencing our hearts, by empowering our wills, face it. Our problem is not ignorance, our problem is weakness. And we need the Holy Spirit's empowerment to make us strong to obey. Isaiah the prophet wrote, I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And that's what God does. I think of the, a, child, a, a picture of a child again. When, when our kids or grandkids are three or four years old and you come across this brick wall, maybe it's three feet, four feet high, and they want to walk on it. And we set them up there. And why do they just do? They stand? They freeze because it's a lot higher looking up there than it is down there. And they won't move. And then what do they do? They go like this, like... Daddy, hold my hand. And as soon as we grab it, they're ready to walk. That's exactly what a relationship with God through the power of the Holy Spirit is all about. He works in us. He empowers us to walk through this life, through all its difficulties, all its pains, all its sufferings, everything that we have to deal with. He is there to hold our hand, to empower us for it. Even at the end of our text, this is what it says. If we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. Well, what kind of sufferings? Well, my, my guess is when Paul writes these, he's talking about the persecution that came to the early church. But actually, all suffering, all kinds of suffering that come into our lives are, are occasions for us to give testimony of the goodness of God in our lives. And we need to take advantage. And the Holy Spirit strengthens us in a way to give us such a testimony that we can experience. The goodness of God, the power of God, the strength of God, the beauty of God, the wonder of God through all all the occasions of life that even cause us pain. Living in such a way is a testimony of our sonship. Being, Being led by the Spirit is not what makes you a Christian. Being led by the Spirit is not about a feeling, it's about the truth that God records in his word for us. It's not not what makes you a Christian. It's the means by which we show that we are children of God. So he says to us in the text, you are mine. You are empowered. The third thing he says is, you are precious. The only way we can call God our Father is because of Jesus Christ. Uh, He is the one by his sacrifice that makes it possible for us to be brothers and sisters to Jesus. The text says we are co-heirs with him. We are, we are, we are children of God and we are siblings together with Jesus. That's a, that's a marvelous thought, isn't it? How beautiful that is. And you can't enjoy the fatherhood of God until you embrace the sonship of Jesus. That's the only way. That's what the Bible teaches. And so when, when we, when we come we come to know God. We call him Father. Jesus teaches us to pray, our Father in heaven. It's a beautiful way to address him. We love that. Uh, you know, sometimes my, I have a grandkid that might tease me and say, hey, Steve. And they have that funny look on their face that we know, we both know it's weird sounding. And I give them that hairy eyeball look, you know, why are you calling me Steve? And why would they want to? Because they know me in a deeper way, a more personal way, as Gramps or Pops. We love those kinds of titles, don't we? They denote something deeper. And that's what this text is getting at in here. Because we're able to know God even more deeply than Father. There's a deeper intimacy that's rooted in the preciousness by which he views us. You know, when we use the word intimacy or intimate, we think of romantic, uh, romantic love. Um, and so in marriage, for instance, you may have terms of endearment for each other, honey, or, or my love, or darling, whatever. You know, Diana's word for me is este. Nobody else calls me Estee. In fact, anybody would hear that think, Well, that's stupid. Well, you know, my high school Spanish name was Esteban. And short for that is Este. So she'll call me Estee uh, a lot. And she'll leave me a card addressed to Estee. Uh, That's her own name for me. Uh, No one else dare call me that. You know, it's her name for me. And so God gives us a name by which we can call him. And it's in our text. It says, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Aramaic, Dada. Daddy. You remember when your kid first said those words? Dada or mama. I mean, you told everybody. You, you called your spouse immediately. Guess what? He just said mama. Yeah, she just said dada. There was a celebration to it. Do you, know, do you know that must be the delight of God when we call by his spirit on his name? Abba, Father. Three times it's used in the New Testament. Once in Galatians 6, 4. Here in our text, and also in Mark's gospel, chapter 14, verse 36, when Jesus is suffering in facing the cross. And the text tells us, Abba, Father, Jesus says, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, and not what I will, but you will. I mean, this was revolutionary. We don't know if the disciples were close enough to hear what Jesus prayed, but if they could hear him, they would have, they were, their world would have been rocked because no one addressed God like that. In fact, by this time, the Jews in Jesus' day weren't even referring to God as Father. They were so far removed from Him, even though that imagery is well laid out and presented in the Old Testament Scriptures. Abba, Father, they wouldn't dare. Here was a level of intimacy they had never witnessed or experienced. But we can. You can. Whenever your heart is hurting when your life is shaken, when you come to a dead end, Abba, Father, what a name by which we can address this one who has so loved us. It's by this name he's saying to us, look, you are precious to me. These three truths embrace our hearts and proclaim our worth before before God himself. You are mine, you are empowered, and you are precious. But these three realities and truths are there for a reason. And the reason is rooted in verses 12 and 13 at the beginning of our text. Go back there again. He says, Brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it's not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Now, I realize there's a popular teaching that says once you're saved, you're always saved. I I would love to believe that. But frankly, this one statement, as well as a plethora of other statements in the New Testament, completely annihilate that misguided theology. Paul is writing to believers. He's not writing to unbelievers. And he he is challenging us. He is reminding us we have a duty, a responsibility, an obligation to kill sin, to put it to death. He says, if you don't do that, you'll die because he knows the nature of sin. If you don't kill sin, it'll rear its head again. That's what it does. And too often we think we can manage sin or we can train it and we don't kill it. That's not how the grace life Lives, living by grace calls for a determined, a determined will directed against sin. There used to be a television program called "When Animals Attack." There was it were times when animals, uh, predators, turn on human beings and attack them. And one of the episodes showed a woman hired by a, a watch company. She was a model and she was to appear with that watch and a lion. And in the middle of the filming, the lion turns on her and everybody's aghast like, well, how could this happen? Well, of course those things happen. Lions get hungry. And when they do, they attack and they eat. There should have been nothing shocking about that move from that lion. He was doing what was instinctual. My brothers and sisters, sin cannot be treated as a house pet. We cannot wink at sin. You know, it, it, will, it is determined to take us out. And we end up one day saying, well, how did I end up in this place? How did I end up? How did I end up in a place I don't want to be with a life that's going the wrong direction? It's because we don't, we don't treat sin seriously enough. Peter writes in his letter, of course, that Satan is like a roaring lion. He is seeking who he will devour, and he is determined to take you out. He is. He is always looking for ways, little crevices, that he can just subtly make his way in to take us out. Don't let him do that. And you don't have to let him do that. that he doesn't have to be victorious in your life or my life. Not if we base our lives on the truthfulness of this text by which God says, look, you are mine, you are empowered, and you are precious to me. Let's, let's bask in that. Let's enjoy that. Let's welcome that truth in our lives. And when we do that, we will be inspired to put to death the sins of the body, and we will find rich security before the throne of God because of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Oh God, in heaven, we pause now for a few moments to simply say thank you. Because there is no way we can welcome these truths into our lives had it not been for the willingness of Jesus to lay down his life to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. So thank you so much, Father. That this chapter begins, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And Father, that's where we want to be. That's where we want to stay until you call us home in Christ. So Father, as we take this juice and this bread, we say, thank you. And we will emerge from this place, Father, strengthened because of the Holy Spirit within us. May God be praised in Jesus' name. Amen.